0: Welcome to the Elevate Life Podcast channel, a channel focused on helping you establish a biblical philosophy of life that will empower you to reach your full God given potential. For more information about our church, visit elevate.life. Enjoy this episode. Happy Sunday morning. I'm Keela. If you're not standing, if you would stand with me because we're going to actually say some declarations over ourselves before we get started. But why don't we welcome some online guests, Tommy in Redding, California, Rima in Oklahoma City, and Jimmy and Misty in Panama City. Thank you for watching. So what we do during this time is we just put our hand on our heart. You'll see the words on the screen. You can just repeat as we go. Ready? I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2022 is my year of promise for me, my family, my finances, and my future. I declare, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, that all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. Pastor Keith likes when we do this, so let's say it. Yes and amen. Today, I open up my mind to receive the promises of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Now lift up your hands and say this with me. Come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, by the way, if I ever get out of breath, I'm eight months pregnant. So just bear with me, there's a lot going on in here. But okay, so we're in New York today and I wanted to give you a few New York facts You might not know this about me, but I have always loved New York. Like since I was a little girl, I wanted to like go there and like have great experiences there. And so we're going to go through some facts, but I have my own personal story with New York that I'll share with you throughout my message. But some of us have heard, is anyone in here from New York? Okay. Yeah. Has anyone ever been there? Has anyone ever been there in the last two years? Just kidding. (laughs) That was just a joke for, you know, the people that know. But there are some names that New York is known by. One of them is a city that never sleeps. They have this saying, they say, a city so nice, we named it twice. Uh, Empire city, city of dreams, they call it the capital of the world. They say things like only in New York and the Big Apple. Has anyone ever heard of the Big Apple? You know what I didn't know about the Big Apple? just as I was researching different things is it you know, a Big Apple refers to prizes awarded for horse racing in the 1920s. And since the term meant an ultimate prize of the best, people started calling New York the Big Apple. It's interesting. So I guess if you, like, really like someone, you'd be like, hey, Big Apple. I don't know. I don't really know, but it's, like, the best thing. So, um, you know, something that I actually really liked about New York uh, is they have this motto, and it's Excelsior, and it means representing continuous search for excellence or belief in strong, bright, and ever better future. I know that's what I want. I believe in a better future. I believe that greater things are coming. The Bible tells us that. We know that that's a promise from God. This is the year of promise. So even when things don't look like it, we can go, there's better coming, right? Okay, so here's some facts that are interesting. Over 8 million people live in New York. That means one in every 38 people in the United States call that city home. It's kind of (laughs) crazy. More than 800 languages are spoken in New York. That means four in 10 households speak a language other than English. Uh, New York's Federal Reserve Bank has the largest gold storage in the world. The first pizzeria in the United States opened in New York City in 1895. Pizza lovers. New York actually became the first capital of the US in 1789. This is really interesting to me too because it is a melting pot, but more Chinese people live in New York City than any other city outside of Asia. More Jewish people live in New York City than any other place outside of Israel. And you may not believe this, but honking your horn in New York is illegal. It's true, they can fine you unless there's an emergency, but if you've ever been there, honking is the soundtrack of the city, okay? Uh, I actually compiled some thoughts and some uh, statements from some of my friends in New York, because some of us might not know this, but if you go to New York, they can tell if you're not from there. And I'll tell you some ways how. If you say hello to someone that you don't know on the sidewalk, you're not from there. If you stop in the middle of the sidewalk anywhere, you're not from there. If you say excuse me when someone bumps into you, you're definitely not from there. Um, if you walk like a turtle or you're standing around everywhere, you're definitely not from there. If you smile at someone that you don't know for sure, You're not from there. If you look around aimlessly at the subway or the maps, you're not from there. If you get on a train, you keep checking every stop. Which one is this? You're not from there. Uh, If there's a train delay or something, like a train stops and you start asking what's going on, what's wrong, you're not from there. If you wait for the crosswalk indicator to change, you're not from there. If you allow a taxi to cut you off and you're driving, you're not from there. And if you go to Times Square and buy an Eminem Worlds bag, guys, <laughs> you're not from there. Okay, so one of my favorite statements, um, actually from New York in general, is a song that Frank Sinatra sings. And some of you guys might like Frank. I don't know, old blue eyes, you know? It's nice. Some of the younger people are like, Frank Sinatra, vintage, who is that? Um, But there's a part of a song, and it says, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that really stuck with me whenever they told me that I was going to speak this week, because I have a lot of, like, really good memories, and I have a lot of bad memories in New York. (laughs) And I was just thinking, man, like, okay, they say this because... You know, New York's a tough place. And if you're the best of the best and you make it in New York, you're going to be the best of the best anywhere, right? Like, if you've ever eaten at a restaurant in New York, you meet someone, you're like, hey, and they're like, hi, I'm an aspiring actress or musician or Broadway star. Like, they always have something else going. They're not just there to work at a restaurant or to do anything else. Everyone always has some kind of bigger aspiration there. And so if you're taking notes today, I want you to know my title today is God doesn't just want you to make it. Because I think about that, and I'm like, man, you know, so many people make it in life. They reach their dreams, or they get the thing that they want, and it, they feel unfulfilled. There's, there's something, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more to this than just making it, right? But I want you to know that you are God's child, and he made you for success. He made you to be a winner. And no matter what your passes look like, no matter what yesterday looked like, no matter what this morning looked like, He's made you to be a winner. He didn't make any of us to have a mediocre life. And so God doesn't just want you to make it. He wants you to win. You know, we've heard this over and over, but Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys could probably say it with me, right? Say it with me. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, right? Plans, well, plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a future. Like, so he, he tells us, I don't, I'm not, my plan is not to hurt you. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. But if you know the context of this story, <laughs> when God spoke this to Jeremiah, they were actually, Israel was being devastated. Jerusalem was destroyed. So many people were taken captive by Babylon and thoughts of peace were probably the last thing in their minds. And I think it's interesting that this scripture, the context of the scripture is, hey, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm saying to this because I have a hope and a future for you. And I want you to know that before we even get into this message, That that is a verse that is used a lot. But I think it's a good reminder because no matter what we're going through, whether we feel like we're in a great place, whether we feel like we're not in a great place, God does have a plan for you. Now, you have a choice what you do with that plan. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because sometimes it's hard to understand how you're going to feel in a future moment. But God has a plan for you in that future. You know, Dr. Charles Stanley said, our mind is the control tower of our life. Whatever happens in our life starts up here. What, whatever we are today is a result of what we've been thinking about. And I want to read you something. They're going to put a picture up on the screen, but Pastor Keith has this whole visual that I wanted to read it because it's so good to show us how much power we have in our mind. It says, your thoughts are like a plane approaching an airport. Your mind is the control tower. The landing strip is your heart. As the plane or thought begins to approach the airport, the pilot radios the control tower your mind and asks for permission to land. The controller you in the control tower your mind says no. The plane, thought, is never allowed to land in your heart, the landing strip, and it doesn't decide if the plane lands. Because if it did, all of the planes would land. The term follow your heart is wrong. You're supposed to lead your heart. Your mind, the control tower, controls your emotions, the landing strip, not the other way around. So you control your thoughts and you decide where they land. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I don't know about you, but I've had some thoughts that I'm like, that's not who I am. Like, I don't want to be that person, so I can't let that thought live in me. Because the Bible tells us, whatever you think is what you will become. That's what that's saying. But some of us, you know, we don't even realize that our thoughts have the power to change us for good and for bad. Like if you're not intentionally thinking about what you're thinking about, you're living by default. And my defaults have never led me to the best things. (laughs) Maybe okay, but not like the best. (laughs) Some of us in this room, I'm just going to say this, we need to stop giving the devil credit for things that God's trying to do through us. Because what if the loss or the frustration or the delay or the denial is the room you needed for the gain that God has coming? Some of us are letting these thoughts land, and they're controlling everything. Our heart is leading us everywhere. And we're not even thinking about what we're thinking about. And, you know, I think as humans, we love the idea. Like, think about this for a second. We love the idea of going, God, change this. God, move this. God, do something with this. But most of us are not going, God, change me. Change how I see this. Change how I'm operating in this. But the truth is, is that God can change anything, but he starts with changing you. So I want to read you a scripture that you've probably heard a lot before, too. Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. He does everything by his power that's working in us. You notice it doesn't just say that's working for us out there. His power is working in us, and that's how he's able to do far more than we could ever ask or think. We've got to let that happen, right? We've got to go with what he's doing, Okay, I don't know if any of you guys are like me. Does anyone in here ever like wanna know why? I am the why person. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna go do this. Okay, why? (laughs) Why are you choosing that parking spot? (laughs) Like, there's one closer. God, why did this happen this way? God, why aren't you doing this? Like, I just wanna know why because if I know why, I can know how to like work it for my good or fit it into my life, but actually that's God's job. So a lot of times I'm wasting my time on trying to figure out why. It's kind of like when you're a kid, you know, your parents say, because I said so. My parents never said that. Some people's did. But sometimes I feel like it feels like that with God because he's not just going like to sit there and give you the answer because he already told you he's working and he's going to give you hope in a future. But sometimes we're like, but why? But why this way? And it's really because we don't like it. Like the parking spot that's like, really far away in 105 degree weather when you're eight months pregnant and you just wanna go on target and get really close. That was a recent thing that happened to me. Um, So don't be so busy trying to figure out a reason when God's trying to give you a revelation. Revelations don't just happen. You gotta actually walk a little bit to see it yourself. You know, I heard this story of somebody who actually got injured while lifting weights. Does anyone in here lift weights? I actually do. I have before, you know, my family. We have weights around us a lot. Um, but I heard this story of somebody, and the issue that they found out was their grip, not the weight. So when you hold on to something too tight, it can actually injure you, not because it's too heavy, but it's because of how you're holding it. You can actually lift a lot more if you loosen your grip. So if you hold it differently, you can handle it. I think God wants us today to loosen our grip of what we can't control anyways. Because he's the one that carries the weight. And, you know, I I know a lot of you guys have heard of Job. I know when I've gone through many scenes of my life, I've been really inspired by just his response to losing everything um, and people— blaming things on things around him, telling him to curse God and die, and just his responses have amazed me, but one of his responses to the lack and the loss in his life is in Job 23 10. It says, but he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Now, I don't know if you guys like gold. I like gold. (laughs) It's shiny, you know, it's like really nice. Like if you told me, like, do you want plastic or gold? Like, obvious I want gold. But Gold doesn't just happen, and it takes time and a considerable amount of energy to make gold. And I honestly like didn't know this is how gold was made until recently. They're gonna put pictures up on the screen of this too, but stars actually explode in a supernova. Or when neutron stars collide, these extreme conditions actually create heavy elements that form through this rapid neutron capture process or the R process, all of the gold on earth can be found from the debris of dead stars. That's crazy. Did y'all know that? I didn't know that. Like, So things are exploding, and that's how gold happened. That sounds very destructive. But beyond that, it's the erosion that frees the gold from other minerals once it's attached. And earthquakes actually play a very important role in shifting the fault and other things naturally so the gold can actually be found in the surface. So this process of gold being formed and found sounds a lot like chaos and destruction, but it's what enables people to find it that causes or requires even more shaking. You see, God is faithful, and living a life within that realization helps you to find the gold. Because a lot of times when things are exploding or things are shaking and things are eroding, you're like, what's happening? And God's like, I'm just revealing the gold that I already put there through the explosion. That's insane to me. But we have to choose to focus on what we want more of, not what we don't want. Have you ever uh, had someone in your life that says things like, oh, this always happens to me. I'm always the last. This just, it's my luck. I don't know, you know. You're speaking these things over your life. You're believing these things over your life, and they become what your life looks like. And, you know, you can have faith as a Christian, but faith doesn't prevent bad things from happening. It's actually how you respond to something is where your faith is activated. We don't get to decide what happens in our life, but we do get to decide what we do with it. And how we respond is where the power in our life resides. Some of us feel so powerless right now. Some of us feel so frustrated right now. But God has given you the power. You have to choose to use it. You know... I believe that you can take back your power and you can choose your response based on God's plan and not just what you see. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways obey him, and he will make your path smooth and straight. He's going to make your path smooth and straight, but if you don't walk on it and you're like, I trust you, God, with that, but not in all the ways, right? Like, because somehow somehow I hold on to like some of them, whatever those things are. I'm like, yeah, I trust God, but I got this part. He doesn't need to take care of that. And that part's going fine. I don't know why we do that because then something doesn't work out and then we're like, God, why? And he's like, trust me with everything. Like, give me it all and see what I do with it. You know, I decided probably about seven-ish and a half years ago, I'm not gonna negotiate with my mind. I run my thoughts. Fear is gonna happen, but you don't have to stop just because you're afraid. You can be scared and follow God. You can just go back and look at something again, and you can look at it differently and get a new God perspective on it. And God's presence, a lot of us, like we think we come to church and God's gonna fix everything, but God's presence is not provided for us to fix our problems. It's actually provided for us to fix our perspective. God's working, but we have to work in order to work in what God's working on. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you're like me. It kind of makes me feel special and kind of frustrates me to say this. But the enemy actually uses the heaviest weapons on those with the greatest purpose. So if you feel like you've been attacked or a lot's coming against you, that just means that God's put a lot inside of you. Why is the enemy so scared of you? Why is so much happening against you? Maybe he wants to stop you from something instead of questioning why and going, why is this happening? Maybe you could go, maybe God's doing something. You know, you don't usually see the lessons that are happening until you learn them later. And you look back and you're like, ah, that was a lesson, right? Right? And it's easy on the other side to say, like, what should have been done. But when you're actually in it, it's not that easy. Um, They're going to put up some slides on the screen. And these are weird because they're, like, old archived Instagram posts that I have. (laughs) And this is how this story is relevant to me, okay? Seven years ago, um, I was in New York with 64 students. Some of you guys might have been on that trip with me. I was a youth pastor here at that time. And we were on a mission trip. I was about to celebrate my one-year anniversary of being married. And actually, we were headed to a church service. And I, there was, like, some stuff going on. I wasn't really sure what was happening. But I actually found out that my husband was cheating on me with someone who was a former intern. And they were a staff member, and they were one of my leaders in the youth ministry. I was, like, on my way, about to, like, walk inside the church, and I found out. And I remember specifically there was this wall, and I, like, fell against the wall. Like, I've never really, like, fallen unintentionally, but it was, like, a lot in that moment. I remember I fell against the wall, and I was, like, sitting there, and all the, like, students were inside of this church building. And from that point on, my husband ended up leaving, and he, like, decided that he didn't want to be with me. And I started dealing with a bunch of different stuff in that time, like PTSD-type stuff, like cyclical thinking, like, just things that I didn't feel like I had control over. And I decided on the one-year mark of that anniversary that I wasn't gonna hate New York, that I wasn't going to, and this is another thing, we had gotten married in New York a year before, and there was like a lot there, like like I had loved New York, like it was like, I literally got married in the studio where Beyonce sang her song, Love on Top. If you don't know that era of Beyonce, guys, like that was like a big deal. It was like my dream, like everything was like, oh man, like I got proposed to by a lighthouse and like got told I love you on a sailboat. Like all the like little stories that you're like, oh, that's cool. But then like this happens and I'm, I'm like, man, I'm not living the kind of life that I thought I would live. I saved myself for marriage. Like I knew this guy since he was nine and I was 11. Like how much more can you know someone, you know? And I go through all these thought process and I'm dealing with all this stuff. And I'm like, why God? Like, what are you going to do with this? And I, I actually told God at one point, I'd like to see you use this for my good. <laughs> I was really bold in that season, you know? But I decided that I was going to go back to the place that I was hurt the most, and I was going to give it a new meaning. And it was really scary to go back to face that pain because there was just so much there. Like, if you've ever like been in a car accident and something happened on a certain street or, you know, you've had some kind of loss or someone passed away or you've been left. Like there's these like like pivotal places and moments and feelings and dates and things that you go back to. And it's interesting because I look back on this and like some some of the things I said, I'm like, man, I was speaking this into existence. So this says, like, on one of my posts, I get to go back to one of my favorite places. It's the place I've had my best and worst memories. But this is the week as a symbol of a take take back. I've decided this is my life. It's my memories. And I get to choose to have great memories in this amazing city. No one and nothing will change my perspective or perception of what I choose to love. God makes all things new. And not only does he make things new, he makes them better than they were before. And I'm living it today. And it makes me cry because I look at that now and I'm like, my life is so much better than even then. Like, I just had no idea what God was going to do in my life. And I'm like speaking that. And seven years later, I'm living that. (laughs) Sorry. So you'll see in this picture right here, I'm on a stage. This was the church that we were going to go into where I found out everything. Well, I found myself exactly a year to the day later in that church, and the pastors asked me to come up on stage and share something. And I was like, man, God, like I'm just like retracing my steps. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're doing something, and he told me, no, I'm replacing your steps. And it's interesting how God, he doesn't just redeem things. He actually exchanges them for something greater. And truthfully, like, (laughs) I don't know if you guys have ever felt like this. I actually hate telling this story. (laughs) Cause like, I'm so not in this place anymore, but I cry because of the faithfulness of God, just thinking about where he's brought me from, thinking about my life now, my children, the opportunities that I have. And it's just honestly, like, you don't know what's on the other side of you choosing to go, God, I trust you. God, I trust you with my heart. I trust you with my mind. I trust you with my life. And, um, you know, in, in one of these posts, the last thing I'll read is it says, honestly, I didn't like what God was telling me at first. I didn't understand it. There was no way God could be intentional about Guiding, you're having a hand in our heartbreaks or worst moments. But one year later, the most cherished day of my life that was the hardest, I see that inside of my greatest heartb- heartbreak was my greatest victory, and that's just how God works. It's in the midst of, midst of our worst that God shows up with our best. Never give up. Never doubt that God, the God who created you, will see you through onto your greatest victory. And if you've never read Psalms 31, I encourage you to read it. That's one of the scriptures that, like, God showed me in that season, it talks about how he has good things stored up for you and how he's going to honor you in front of the people who came against you. And not that that's even what your goal is, but I just think about how God doesn't waste anything. And I chose to go back to New York so that I wasn't led by an emotion or led by pain or led by hurt, but that I was led by God to go, okay, you know what, God, like, I don't like the way this is. I don't like the way this feels. I don't like what happened, but I know that I can walk in the same places and trust you just as much as I did then and I do now. And so I look at this and I go, man, you know, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew who I was with. And we can't change the past, but I do believe we can choose how we see our past. The enemy's gonna take a shot at you, but the things that cause you pain don't have to take your purpose. The pain's gonna hurt, but it doesn't have to move you from your purpose. It's the most painful things that the enemy meant for bad that God uses to help you fulfill your purpose. The best way that you can predict your future is to create it. You don't have to wait for someone to tell you what to think or what to see or what to do. You're responsible for what and how you think because God's put power inside of you. You know, the difference between, <laughs> the difference between successful people and other people Is the way that they think and you have what it takes to become rich to be successful to win you just have to think it believe it and act on it you know a lot of us have heard the quote about ships but we you know there's a lot of things that happen out in the world that we can let get in us and ships don't sink because the water around them ships sink because the water that gets in them don't let what's happening around you get inside of you and weigh you down don't let what happens to you get in you. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, man, how did you get through that? Like, what did you do? And there's, there's some like, keys that I'll share with you in a little bit, but what I would just say is I didn't become the victim. I knew that God created me to be victorious. And while there were hundreds and maybe thousands of other moments where I had to choose to win over and over again, I knew that I wasn't gonna let something that was uncontrollable control me. I wasn't going to let it get in me to the point that I didn't have control. And I'm not saying you don't need to mourn, and I'm not saying you don't need to like, go through some stuff, because there's real emotions that are attached to things that we go through in life. And I've been through a lot more than just a divorce. I've had health stuff, relational things, personal things that I've gone through early on in life and even later. And there's always lessons to learn. There's always a deeper lesson, right? But something that's very important that I found in my life is who you're around, and what you're listening to, and what you're putting inside of yourself, like what you're pouring inside of yourself, because, you know, has anyone this summer caught a cold? I have. Maybe it's because I was pregnant. I don't know. I caught a cold in the middle of summer, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, like, you can catch a cold from being by somebody, but you can also catch a thought I don't know if you've ever been around negative people, but they're like, oh, I hate this. And you're like, yeah, me too. And then all of a sudden it becomes your thought. So we have to be aware of what we're around because what we're around will get in. So think about who you're talking to about your problems, why you're talking about them, how you're talking about them. Blasting things on social media to hurt other people is not going to fix you. So... The thing I want to just encourage you with at this is you get to choose what thoughts win in your mind. Whatever thought wins are going to lead to your actions. Your actions will create your life. If you don't like your life, change your thoughts. You know, you can't conquer something and complain about it at the same time. You just can't. First John 4, 4 says, The one who is in you is powerful. He is more powerful than the one who is in the world. I have good news for you today. You're not at the mercy of your haters, the government, the next pandemic, inflation, your boss, or anything else. You're God's child, and you're only subject to his plan and his timing for your life. So no matter what you feel, no matter what's going on, you can remember that Everyone else might be dealing with something, but when you're with God, you get his reality. You get his truth. You know, in Genesis, Jacob spoke to his sons. There's 12 of them. He gave them each a blessing that concerned their future and their purpose. And it's interesting because Joseph, which we all know the story of Joseph, right? His brothers threw him in a pit, sold him in slavery. The one who actually endured the most was blessed the most. And we see what he says about Joseph here in Genesis 49:22. It says, "Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over the wall. With bitterness archers attacked him, they shot at him with a hostility, but his bow remained steady and his strong arm stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty." A few things stick out to me here. He didn't let the wall stop him from climbing. Whatever his obstacle was didn't stop him. He actually remained steady and limber, which means flexible. He noticed his emotions, but he wasn't controlled by them. I think that that's the struggle with a lot of us. Like, I think a lot of guys don't want to consider themselves emotional, but if you're passionate, you're emotional, you know. um, I don't like to consider myself emotional, but you guys just saw me cry a whole bunch. I could blame it on pregnancy, but, you know, it's good for God to move your emotions, (laughs) But I think a lot of times what we don't realize is that's how you break any cycle in your life. You don't let something control you. You don't let someone's opinion control you. You don't let that emotion control you. You don't let that thought control you. I remember you guys uh, have met Dr. Robbie because he's been here a bunch. But Dr. Robbie was actually in town when I came home from New York. And, man, like no one knew what how to help me. <laughs> like, honestly, like no one in my family's ever gone through this, like, Uh, they didn't know really what to say to me. I didn't know what to say to them. I, like, wanted to be with them and not be with them and, like, talk to them and not talk to them. It was very confusing, but I kept trying to, like, soothe myself, and I kept trying to go, like, this is my life. It's okay. This is my life, and then it would spiral into, like, this is my life. This This is my life, and then I would ramp up, and then I would almost, like, be in a panic, right, and so I remember asking Dr. Robbie. I was like, Dr. Robbie, like, I need help because, like, I'm so used to, like, I've been taught to lead myself. Like, I know what to do, but I can't get over this. Like, it's, and he was explaining to me PTSD because he deals with trauma a lot. And I was like, I don't have PTSD. Like, what? You know, and he was explaining how it works. And he said, fear is the strongest neural pathway in your brain. And the only way to change that neural pathway is to create a stronger neural pathway. And I was like, what's that one? I want that one. <laughs> and he was like, it's gratitude. It's gratitude. And I said, that's stupid. <laughs> you're telling me fear is the strongest neural pathway, and gratitude is stronger. Like what? And he was like, just if you don't know me, I just kind of say things. Uh, so but I said, I'll try it. I'll t- I'll try it, okay? Like, I know you're a doctor and you deal with this kind of stuff, but like it sounds dumb, but I'll try it. So every time I started getting in that cycle, I started going. Thank you, God, that I have breath. Thank you, God, that you have a plan for me. And I would just like, as fast as those thoughts would come and as fast as those emotions would come, I would just say something else. Like sometimes I didn't know what else to say. I was like, God, thank you for my dog donut. Oh, thank you uh, for air. You know, like I didn't know what to say, but there's always stuff to be grateful for, right? And so I started to realize the power of gratitude. And I remember in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, give thanks to God. No matter what the circumstances you find yourself in, this is God's will for you. Why is this God's will for you? Not because everything's perfect, but because he wants you to overcome. So gratitude frees you. Being grateful for what hasn't even happened yet that God has planned can free you. Everything God wants to do next in your life is connected to what he's calling you to do now. You know, Joseph, in his story, he believed that God was going to use this for his good. Everything he went through was not good. And I was recently actually listening to a message by Stephen Furtick, and he said something, and I was like, oh, I so resonate with that. That's so good. And I'm sure we've heard preachers or people say, like, God's going to work it out. But recently I heard him say, God will work it in. Whatever happens to you, God will work it in. Sometimes I don't really know how God's going to work it out, but I know if he can change me, he can change anything around me. And, you know, okay, so in this story, Joseph was standing before his brothers. They're getting these blessings and stuff like that. And just think about what he would be thinking about. He's by all these people who betrayed him. He's decided to be an overcomer. And it reminded me of in Isaiah 54, 17, where it says, weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean the enemy is not going to come against you. It just means that you actually have a way to win because you're with God. So Joseph went to prison. He was thrown in a pit, but it didn't take his purpose. And they attacked him in Genesis 49, 23. It says, with bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility. They did that, but he didn't let it make him bitter. He didn't let their bitterness make him bitter. We got to not let it in. Deal with it, acknowledge it, notice it, but don't let it define you. Let God work it in. Let God show you the why. Let God give the meaning. You don't have to go try to find the meaning of why something happened or didn't happen. All you have to do is give it to God, and he actually exchanges it. So it's up to me to focus on what I want more of. In Genesis 50, 20, this was Joseph's response. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. So stop focusing so much on the bad things that happen and blaming people who aren't even here now to pay for it. The future you have is going to be based on the focus that you have. Are you going to be defined by what came against you or what happened to you? Or are you going to be defined by what helped you get over it? Isaiah 55:8 eight through nine says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, you can actually rehearse the reaction that you want. Your brain doesn't know the difference between what's actually happening and what you practice. So don't wait for success. To feel empowered. Don't wait for a relationship to feel accepted or loved. Don't wait for healing to feel whole. Don't wait for an opportunity to feel worthy. Stop living in lack and waiting for something to change until you feel it. A victim lives in response to something, a person who decides to win chooses their response. Charles Spurgeon said trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of. You know, a lot of us, when we've gotten in seasons, what we thought we were made of wasn't what we thought. And we realize maybe we weren't as founded or trusting on God as we should be. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Whoever wants to follow me must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross, which is your way, every day and follow me. You know, you have to have a vision of the future that you choose. Otherwise, you're subject to what has happened or what you've known in the past. Somehow we justify how we are, how we feel, or how we respond to the things around us that are happening like traffic, our boss, the weather, or we're hangry. Our outer world controls our inner world and how we feel. But you you have to choose to be greater than your environment. No matter what your environment is, you can choose who you are, how you're going to respond, how you're going to think, which actually enables you to feel it. Because where you place your attention is where you put your energy. Stop giving power to things that don't move you forward. You know, we give our power away to problems. We give our power away to our issues, to the past. But God's given you power to live your life by design. He doesn't just want you to make it. He wants you to win. But you have to choose to act and think and be a winner. You know, I did a bunch of research on the brain, and I'm going to just share some of this with you, but they found that most people, when they have a thought, they think that it's true just because they had a thought. Forty percent of your brain is the frontal lobe. They're going to show you a picture of it. It's like right here, okay? It's, a th- it's the place where you have like thinking-related processes, what you say, how you respond to future action. You know, 60 to, you have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. I don't even know how that's possible, but like, I know I'm thinking right now as I'm talking to you, and that's the only way that would be possible. But this was interesting to me. 90% of our thoughts are the same. I thought I was more diverse than that, honestly. Like, <laughs> But one of the things that they found is that the same thoughts lead to the same things. Choices, feelings, beliefs. And a lot of people think they have insight, like, wow, I have insight on this, but insight doesn't release you from your responsibility to act. You don't use insight as permission to stay how you are, like, well, I was abused, well, I was left, well, I was this. You're defining yourself based on your environment when you do that. You get to choose your responses, focus your emotions based on what you want more of in life instead of what comes naturally. You know, most people are living in stress and living in stress is living in survival. And stress actually makes you sick. But they found if you can make yourself sick, you can make yourself well. Less than 1% of people are actually born with the genes of disease. 99% of diseases are created by the environment. Your environment signals your genes to shift into disease. Emotions are your environment. You get to choose what you want to continue to feel. You don't get to choose like what happens in a moment or like if something comes at you, but you can choose what you feed and hold on to and rehearse. You know, there's these things called telomeres. They tell your genetic age, okay? Like you actually can take a test right now and see how much life you have left. Don't do it. Some people are like, I want to know how much longer I got. Just don't do that because then like you've settled it in your mind. Like just decide you're going to live forever and see what God does. But you can actually lengthen your telomeres by regulating your thoughts. You can get your life back. If you're not doing well, start thinking good and see your life turn around. You know, Proverbs 14, 12, it actually explains this in the Bible. It says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. You could think you're doing all the right things, thinking all the right things, but if you're not in step and in line with God, It's not from him, and it's not going to lead you to life. Because you can only solve something on the level you see it. You know, there's this girl named Helen Hadskill, and they're going to put some pictures up behind me of her story, like these pictures. They're kind of blurry because they're old. But um, this house they're in front of, she actually won in the New York World Fair of 1964. I came across this story, and it's really crazy. You can go look it up. It's really insane. She enters contests and has won every single one of them. She's known as like the winner. And the crazy thing about her winning this house is that she knew she was gonna win it. In fact, she told her husband, take the day off work and for God's sake, act surprised. Because she knew she was gonna win every single thing. She always wins. And her lucky streak began in 1958. She started reading this book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. If you don't know who he was, he was an American minister. He took a Christian perspective on positive uh, psychology. And according to her, she actually read this part that said, you can have anything you want provided you know what you want. And she took it to heart. She thought that something was really powerful and in this book. It says, you must picture the thing you desire as as of already being, already happened or already taken place. And there's this process that you go through. Select it, project it, expect it, collect it. Okay, so select it, know what you want. Project it, see it has already happened. Expect it, believe it's already yours. Collect it, take it. A lot of us, like truthfully, we're living our life expecting the worst. We're expecting bad things to happen. We're like, well, that happened before. It's probably going to happen again. I always hit the red lights. You're going to hit more if you keep saying that. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. This scripture shows us God has given you the power over your thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7, as someone thinks within himself, so is he. You are your thoughts. Dr. Carolina Leaf says, when you think you build thoughts, these become physical substances in your brain. There's this thing called the refractory period, and I'm not going to go too much into it, but I do want to just explain something. There's stuff that happens in your life, and if it's like a short thing, like let's say someone cuts you off. Hopefully it doesn't last like all week for you. But if it's like a short thing, you're in a mood, okay? If it keeps going, it can turn into a temperament like you're just angry. Then if it keeps going, it can become a personality trait. And unfortunately, your face can get shaped like how you feel. Have you ever seen people walking around, they're just like, you're like, they must've been practicing that a lot for it to get stuck like that. You know, 70% of people live in survival and stress based on their past experiences, and they anticipate the worst case scenario. Negative thinking is a weapon against yourself. You know, if you say something out loud, it's 10% more powerful than if you just think it. And if it's negative, it's 40 to 70% more likely that it will happen if you just don't say anything. The past is not predictive. It's real, but it's only gonna happen again if your behavior stays the same. Your belief and behavior is the predictor for your success. So how you think is going to shape what you believe. What you believe is going to lead to how you act, what you do is going to determine what's possible in your future. God wants you to focus on doing, not just hearing. We've heard this over and over again in church, and that's what I want you to get from today. Yes, God wants you to like, win and he wants you to make it. How do you do that? You apply what he says. You actually practice what the word of God says. We saw Job do it. We saw Joseph do it. There's a lot of people in the Bible that have done this. And in James 1.22, it says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. The truth is, a lot of us come in here and take notes, and we believe things about his word, but we don't live it. Here's a good rubric for you. You say you believe in forgiveness, but do you forgive people who have hurt you? You say you believe in waiting on God, but are you patient? You say that you're a believer, but do you act on that belief? You say you're a follower, but do you do what God says to do? God wants you to be a doer of his word because he wants you to win. Don't fool yourself into thinking that hearing also means applying. You know, whenever I think about this, I think about how when I was in my hardest times, I didn't want to change who I was. So like a part of that was gratitude, right? If I was going to practice gratitude, how can I practice gratitude? Well, I can be a generous person. I didn't really have much to give in that season. If you're really hurt, you don't have like a lot to give out, right? But I remember having this conversation with my dad. I've actually shared it a couple of times whenever we've done like offerings and stuff. But I remember like it was a goal of mine to always be like a generous giver. And I remember at one point I was like, dad, I'm just concerned, which I didn't, I'm honestly, for those of you who don't know me, I'm really independent. I like don't ask for help a lot. I'm learning to do that more in my life as I get older because we all need help but like, there was times where like, I didn't know how I was gonna pay my bills. Like, I was like eating ramen noodles and tuna. <laughs> I was just like, how can I survive and still like, keep my house and like still do what I need to do because I got left right when all the bills were due and there was just a lot there, right? and even more that happened, and so I remember talking to my dad, and I was like, you know, I still want to give at the same level, and I still want to do things, he like, baby, like, it's okay, and he was, like, trying to, like, help me through my thought process, and I just decided that was a non-negotiable in my life, and I was like, I'm not going to let whatever the enemy had planned or whatever someone else did change who I am and the standards that I've set in my life. And it's so crazy how I saw God come through for me, not just in my relationships, not just in my personal life, but financially. Like there was like a point, and this is real for me. The guy that I was married to, I'd put him on as as a signer of my card to help his credit. He took my credit card and spent thousands and thousands of dollars and I'm left with it. And I was just like, you know what, how am I going to do that? God literally brought someone into my life to take care of that. And I didn't have to ask for it. And it's just, I think about that stuff and I'm like, man, how many of us are sitting there waiting for God to do something? And God's just like, just follow me. I already have it all set up. Stop trying to do it your way. And a lot of us, if we would just change our thinking, change our perspective and practice what we wanna feel, the feelings will come. The healing will come. The thing will happen. But it's not going to happen when you want it to. If you believe in God's timing, you know God's timing is not yours. It's just not, and it's annoying. <laughs> but it's not ever when I want it to happen. And it never happens how I want it to happen. That's my frustration. I'm like, come on, God, like, can you just like, I don't know, do something that I want? And, you know, today, just as I'm ending, I want to pray for two different specific people. Maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't know how to think like God because I don't know him. And you really can't follow God if you're not in relationship with him because that's the thing that separates us from religions. This is all about relationship. And it doesn't just get fixed in one moment, right? Like it's a life, it's a walk and you see God do things and it builds your confidence in him and you see his character. But maybe you're one of those people and you're like, man, I just really don't know him, I'm not closer. maybe I need to come back to him. And maybe you're the other person and you say, I just need to like honestly change my thinking because I don't want to just make it. I want to win. And whether you're one or the other of that person, I always like to do this with eyes open because truthfully, like these are the people that are going to champion you. And if you can't do it in here, you're not going to do it out there. And we are excited. (laughs) So whether you're coming back to God, whether you're coming to him for the first time, or whether you're just like, hey, I need some help with my thinking, I just want you to raise your hand. This is just you acknowledging, like, with God, like, this is me. This is where I'm at today. That's awesome. So if you could just, we're going to start off by just praying this prayer together, and then I'm going to pray for you on top of that. But if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes and just say this with me. Say, God, I want... What you have for me. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I receive you into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for every single person in this room that wants to think better, that wants to live better, that wants to win, God. I pray that you would meet them exactly where they're at today that they would know that you are for them, that you're not against them, that you do have a hope and a future for them. And that, God, they can realize today they don't have to keep giving their power away to their emotions or their thoughts or their situations, but, God, they can actually take on the mind of Christ, which the Bible tells us your ways are higher, your thoughts are higher, so we can always ask for a different perspective. God, I just pray that even in this moment, that you would just lift off burdens, that you would lift off fear, that you would lift off pain that's been plaguing people, that, God, you would help them to understand as they walk out of here that they are heirs in your kingdom. They don't have to live according to what every single thing makes them feel or makes them think because, God, they are royalty in your kingdom, and that means they walk with power. God, we can truly live the life we want with you, We can live the life we desire because you're the one that gave us those desires in the first place. So God, we just want more of you. We thank you for what you're doing and we thank you for what you're gonna continue to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you are here today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our channel to be notified of our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. That way, you know when a new episode has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, visit elevate.live forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.